This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, if you were here last Sunday, we kind of started um, a, 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 a series we're going to do for a couple of weeks, and it's called The Blessing of the Upright. And if you need an outline for the sermon, I don't know if you got one on the way in, but if you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one to kind of follow along with. And really, as we're studying this, we're looking at 2020. Who's glad it's 2020? All right. Hey, new year, new year, new you, right? All right. Well, you mean you can change any time, but let's do it right now. So uh, we're looking at a new year and really God's put a lot of things on our heart for our city and our community, but at the same time. The exact same principles that will change our city, change our community, will change your life too. That's one thing that I love about God's word, as if I needed another reason to love God's word. I found just another one uh, that I was thinking a few minutes ago is the same principles apply all across the board. The same principles that will get you healed will also get God to change your finances. The same principles that will change your finances will help God change your family situation. The same principles that will bring you joy will bring you peace, will bring you love, will change everything. God's word works all across the board. You know, it's funny, I, I, uh, I recently inherited a, a, a basketball team again, and by that, I don't mean like some franchise, I mean a third grade basketball team. I didn't think that was going to happen again, but at the last minute, my son's coach, uh, whoever's going to coach the team, backed out, so they called, and they're like, if you can't coach this team, we're going to have to cancel it, and all these little kids won't have a team, and I'm like, oh, I'm so busy, man, I've got a church, I've got... Four kids playing basketball already. I'm trying to get a new house. And, I mean, there's just so much stuff going on. But then I'm like, oh, but they're the little kids. They're so cute, and they want to play ball. And, and, and so I'm like, all right, fine. I'll take the basketball team. And as I'm, as I'm working with the kids, there's one thing about sports that's true. is There are some principles that apply all across the board. And I can tell you, a little kid that's aggressive, can pretty much be pretty good at any sport at the little league level. They'll attack the soccer ball. They'll go after rebounds. They'll dive for balls. I mean, little kids that are aggressive natured, like my son Isaac, super aggressive. He does good at pretty much any sport that he tries at this level because it's not as technical as it is just, you know, grab the ball, right? And so, I mean, don't do that while the ref's looking. You wait till he's not looking, you know what I mean? But at the same time, there are some things that just apply all across the board. And so this morning, as we look at part two of the blessing of the upright, we're going to look at some principles that will change your life in 2020. That will change your life starting today, if you'll do them. And they'll also begin to make a change in the area where we live in. And that's what's so big on my heart right now. Because, you know, one reason why I love Barstow and I want to see some good change yeah. Why? Because I live there. Right? I mean, wherever it is we live, we should want to see it be a more godly place. We should want to see some change come about. I want wherever I live to be the absolute best street in the entire city. Right? I want wherever I live to be the most blessed. You pull onto my street and you're like, whoa, what was that? Because you feel the anointing of God so strong because it lives right there. My home is a sanctuary of peace. 
I remember one time some of the young adults had gone out and they, they wanted to go uh, do some soul winning and witnessing. And so they went out and were praying for people and they knocked on my door and it was a Saturday and you know, I'm in my pajamas eating Fritos, playing video games or something. I opened the door and they're like, whoa, what is that? I'm like, I don't, I don't, we just changed the diaper. What are you talking about? And the, no, no, no. I, 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 when you open, I felt, I felt peace. I felt something just come out of this house and I'm like, well, praise God, that's how it should be, that we should have the anointing and the peace of God everywhere we live. I want Barstow to be that city on a hilltop that everybody talks about and says, man, I, every time I get over there, there's just something about it. Why is that? Because there's Christians taking authority over this city. Amen. We're going to show you how to do that. And we're going to show you how to take authority over your life in the name of Jesus. Nobody else controls my life except for Jesus and me. If you're having a bad day, that's your problem. You're not going to ruin my day with yours. If you want to complain and whine and and talk trash about my city, well, then you do that on your own time. But it's not going to affect me because my day is going to be blessed. I claim it right from the beginning, right to the time I go to bed. We are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come. We're blessed when we go. Everything we set our hand to is blessed in the name of Jesus. Somebody give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen. And so, excuse me for being enthusiastic, but man, when you've been spending time with God and his word, it starts to show and it rubs off on everybody else. So what we're talking about today is the blessing of the upright. This is part two. Last week was part one. And where we get that phrase from is Proverbs 11, 11. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Proverbs 11, verse 11. And so we're going to look at it, first of all, in the King James, and then we're going to look at it in the Message Bible. This is our theme verse for 2020. And every year we have a theme verse for the church, and every year I have a theme verse for my own personal life. Um, and I encourage you, man, you should, it, the year is young, you should seek God and say, Lord, is there a specific verse that you want me to stand on for my own life this year? Something that I need to really work on for me? And uh, God will answer you. No doubt about it. If you'll be open and honest, God will answer you. And sometimes he'll give you a verse that, man, it may be about patience. You're like, man, I I wanted something inspirational about how I can do all things. Well, God needs you to work on patience right now, maybe, or whatever the case is. But Proverbs 11, 11, when you're there, say amen. And so it says this, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Well, what does that mean? By, by the blessing of the upright. Is there anybody in here this morning that you are up and you're right? Come on, you got up this morning and you're right, okay? Well, I can tell you this much. You may be wrong on some things, but you're right because you came to church today. So give yourselves a pat on the back. You got up and you got right over here. Good for you today. You are the upright, and really what that means is the righteous. And I know some people are like, well, I mean, I, I don't want to call myself righteous. That would sound conceited. I will call myself righteous all day long because my righteousness is not because I'm so good. My righteousness is because Jesus is so good. I'm not self-righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's not about me. It's about him and that I received him and accepted him. And so don't ever feel like, well, I don't know if I'd call myself righteous. If you've received Jesus, 
Call yourself righteous. You're righteous. Some of us could polish up on the holy aspect. We'll get there, though, okay? Amen? Come on. And so we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then in the Message Bible, this right here is our theme verse for 2020 at High Desert Word Center. It says, when right living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk turns it into a ghost town in no time. I'm not going to live in a ghost town. Calico is a cute place to visit. I don't want to live over there. And I'm telling you right now, where I live is not going to be a ghost town. It's going to flourish. It's going to be a shining example of what happens when the power of Jesus comes in and wipes through an entire community, wipes through an entire city. And people say, that's that place we used to just stop at for gas. That's that place we used to make fun of and say, well, who would live there? I want to live there now that's what's going to happen if right living people will bless the city and and just to re- review a little bit from last week what does bless mean well in the hebrew this word means to speak well of and in the greek in the new testament to speak well of and so i'm talking about right now when right living people bless the city they talk right about the city they bless the city But evil talk turns into a ghost town. This applies to where we live, and it applies to your life. Some of your lives are turning into a ghost town right now. Things are dying off. Things are fading away. Things are failing. Why is that? Because you curse your life all the time. You're killing yourself with your own mouth. And you're looking for someone to blame. It's you. It's your words. Man, everything I I do fails. We never have enough money kids over my stupid wife my stupid husband my stupid job my stupid town my stupid president my stupid friends my stupid family my stupid shut your mouth now man before you do any more damage you know one thing i thought about is and i said this last week it's like you're standing on the outside of your house no doubt about it it needs some work it needs fixed so you just start throwing rocks through the windows that's what some of you are doing yeah the city needs fixed yeah your life needs fixed But throwing rocks at it, it's not fixing it at all. It's just making it worse. Some of you are throwing rocks through your own window and wondering why things are just getting worse instead of getting better. It doesn't work that way. We have got to change the way that we speak. Well, I don't think it's that simple. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. It rhymes. You can memorize that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Not the power of the wallet, not the power of the politics, not the power of your good looks, not the power of how smart you are. Death and life are in the power of the tongue of your words, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And some of us were eating the fruit of the words we spoke, and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's real bad. we got to check our mouths and see, are we blessing our life? Are we cursing our life? Are we blessing our city? Are we cursing our city? What? Are we doing because your words are so powerful that God created the entire universe with words? He didn't get power tools from Home Depot. He didn't hire the greatest minds of the day. He spoke and said, let there be light. And light simply was. It existed. And then Genesis goes on to tell us that you were made in the image of God. You're supposed to to imitate and be like God. If he creates with his words, I'm going to start creating peace 
into my own life with my words. I'm going to start creating the joy of the Lord by the words that I speak. Amen. Can we get an amen this morning? That's some review for you right there. And so what we're going to look at some more of this week is what we are called to. What I mean is what we as a church are called to and what you as an individual are called to. And one thing that I'm going to start off with this is, number one, we are called to fulfill our own calling. Maybe you didn't realize it, but you have a specific calling on your life. Uh, no, not me. Yeah, you. You've got a calling. And what Romans tells us that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. God's not going to take it away. You've got to fulfill that call. Well, the, the call hasn't been fulfilled on my life. It's not God's fault. God put the calling there. You're going to have to step up to the plate and fulfill that calling. And for all of us, that's something different. And for every church, that's something different. But there's this quote that I like that, I mean, maybe you've heard it, but you need to hear it again. You're born an original. Don't die a copy. We need you to be you. We need you. The church needs you. The city needs you. I need you to be you. And the problem is, is that if you're trying to be me, you're going to rob the church and the world of you. We don't need another me right now. We don't need another Robert. We really don't need another Robert. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry, that was, that was a technical foul. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, no. We need you to be you because if you're too busy trying to be somebody else, you're robbing the world of the gift that God put within you. And that's a bad spot to be in. And, you know, Barstow needs High Desert Word Center to be High Desert Word Center. They don't need us to be St. Joseph's. Praise, bless them. Bless them in the name of... Not, they don't need us to be First Baptist. Bless them. Got lots of friends there. We need First Baptist to be First Baptist. We need New Life to be New Life. We need Crossroads Assembly to be Crossroads. And we need High Desert Word Center to be High Desert Word Center, a church that teaches the word of faith message that saved my life when I was three, saved my dad's life last year. We need that word of faith message, and that's our calling. We've got to do it. If we're trying to be somebody else, we are robbing the community. We're robbing ourselves of what God called us to be. And so many of us, we're spinning in circles. We're a dog chasing our tail. We're running around trying to, well, am I supposed to be this? Am I supposed to be that? You're supposed to be what God called you to be, and you got to know in your heart what that is. And so one thing we got to realize is none of us are called to do every single thing, right? Man, I wish I was a better speaker. Well, that's fine, but maybe you aren't called to be a public speaker. Well, I wish I was better at this, and, I would, and, and, and that's all good. But what you need to realize is you need to start getting good at what God the gift that God put within you. God gave some people five talents. God gave some people three talents. Maybe God gave me one talent. What I need to do is take that gift that God gave me and be the absolute best at that. Instead of being mediocre at five things, instead of being bad at three things, why don't I be super good at the gift that God put within me and do it with all my heart and give God 100% on that one thing, right? 
instead of trying to be everything else. And that's, I mean, I think about it this way. On a football team, you know, there's these guys that are defensive linemen. They are super important to your team. Then there's guys called field goal kickers. How stupid would it be? What a waste of time it would be if the defensive linemen spent all of practice practicing their field goals. I mean, sure, that's cute and sweet that they could kick a field goal, but they probably couldn't. But at the same time, that's nice. But we don't need them to practice their field goals. We need them to practice their blocking, right? Right? I mean, come on. I, I don't care if, I, if my football team has the best defensive linemen that are good field goal kickers, but they're not actually any good at being defensive linemen. We're going to lose games. We need you. You need you. God needs you to focus and be good on the gift that he's put within you or gifts, whatever it is. But when we're trying to be everything else, everything else, we're going to rob the world. We're going to rob Jesus of the gift that he put in you because God put something in you to get it back out. God put something in you for you to use it. God put something within you to help somebody else out in life. And if you don't ever develop that, if you don't ever work on that, you're robbing the world. You're robbing Jesus. You're robbing us. We need your gift. You're robbing us of what God has put in your life. We're called to fulfill our own calling. Let me show you something here in Galatians chapter 2. Let's flip over there. Galatians chapter 2. Is anybody having a good time today? Galatians chapter 2. And so even the Apostle Paul knew that he had a specific calling. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, God would use him in different things, but he had a specific calling and group that he was called to. And we're going to read about this in Galatians chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. I've really been studying just different epistles over about the past two months. I mean, I'm just tearing these books apart, just I mean, making notes and right. And I, I probably, I guess I read Galatians probably in December. And this really stuck out to me, something that, that Paul wrote here in Galatians chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. And, uh, and of course, we want everybody. We, we, we want to reach everybody. We want to give the gospel to everybody. But Paul was talking about, I, I, I want to reach everybody, but there's a very specific group that God had called him to. Galatians 2. Verses 7 through 9, it says, Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. Now, Paul, by birth, was a Jewish person. But ironically, God didn't make that his full-time calling. God used Paul to do something that I'm very thankful for, and that was to start preaching the gospel to non-Jewish people. Why am I so thankful for that? Because I'm not Jewish. And so I'm super glad that God used somebody to start preaching the gospel and sharing about Jesus. Because you got to realize, man, you're reading the book of Acts and some of these. A lot of the early Christians, these Jewish people, they had zero intention of ever telling anybody else that was not Jewish about Jesus. They're like, man, this Jesus thing's changing our life. Oh, this is so good. What, what, uh, what, you're, are you Jewish? No. Okay. I don't, no, this isn't for you. Just go about your business. This is for us. They're going to keep it to themselves. God brings guys like Paul along and says, this is for everybody. 
God loves everybody, no matter who they are, where they're from, what color they are, what nationality. He loves everybody. And for some of the people like Peter, that was like, mm, I, I, <laughs> I'm not seeing that. I, I don't quite get that. And it took a minute for even Peter to get this, that Jesus was for everybody. But Paul, once he gave his life to the Lord, he starts getting it like, wait a minute, this this Jesus stuff, this could work for anybody. And so God calls Paul to start preaching to Gentile people, of which by birth I am one, and so I'm really glad about that. Now, since then, I've been adopted into the family, if you know what I mean. And so Jesus is my big brother, and God's my father, and so I'm a part of the family now. But at the time of my natural birth, I was a Gentile. And so it says right here, Paul's talking about God called me to preach to Gentiles, God told Peter to focus on the Jews. Verse 8, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. And so right here, he nails it down that, man, they focused on what God called them to. I focused. And who would say that Paul was not a failure? Three people in this church think that Paul was not a failure. Let me introduce you to Paul. He was this guy. You start reading about him in the book of Acts. No, Paul wasn't a failure, man. He wrote he wrote two thirds of the New Testament of your Bible. God used this guy in huge ways. But he focused on his calling. He didn't try to do everybody else's stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying right there? And I'd rather have somebody that's really, really good at their calling than someone that's mediocre at 10 different callings. And so what does that look like for High Desert Word Center? Well, I can tell you this much. We have a very specific calling. We are called to teach the word of faith message to this community. We are called to restore families and fix broken marriages, and we do that all the time. We're called to teach people how to use their faith and overcome cancer. We do that all the time. We're called to teach people how to use their faith and change their lives in a radical way. We're called to be a family church to equip God's people to live a victorious kicking behind Christian life, man. That's our calling. So I get this question often. Man, why don't you guys run like a a food pantry out there on Soap Mine Road? I am a thousand percent for food pantries. In fact, our church donates a large chunk of money every month to one of the local food pantries. We take up and collect dried food goods and give them to the Methodist church because they run a fantastic food pantry. Why don't we run a food pantry out on Soap Mine Road on the edges of town? Well, for one, most of the people that come to the food pantry, they have to walk there. There's not a lot of people walking all the way out by the drive-in from the middle of downtown Barstow. It would be a failure. In fact, we tried it once when I first moved here 12 years ago. It was a failure. It was a choke. We took the loss. It wasn't any good. Why? Because we aren't called to that. I mean, you don't like homeless people and poor people? I love them. 
I love them with the love of Jesus. That's why I support people who are super good at reaching the homeless and feeding the hungry. I'll give them money all day long. I'll deliver food in the back of my car to them all day long. But I found out for us to try to do it ourselves, it's pointless. We're not called to do that. So what do I do? Do I say that I'm against that? No, I support somebody that does a really good job doing that, right? And in your life, well, I'm, I, I, I really, I think that this is a great thing to support. I think supporting the missionaries in India is a great thing. That's awesome. You know what's probably better than you going over there and trying to individually feed every one of the homeless? It's probably better to support the missionary that we send over there every year. I'd rather send him a $500 check and send him to go preach. He knows their language. He can speak to them in their native tongue. I'd rather send Julius over there and let him preach to 15,000 of them and then me take it upon my shoulders to personally go over there unless Jesus tells me to. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about being effective and doing what God called you to do. We need you to fulfill your call. Barstow needs High Desert Word Center to teach people faith, to restore marriages and families and to teach people how to get healed when the devil strikes their house and tries to bring them down that's what they need from us somebody give the lord some praise man come on this is our calling hebrews 12 1 quickly flip there hebrews 12 on because i want to move forward hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 you have a call of god on your life you're the upright you're blessed. The blessing of the upright changes things. So Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Who's ready to live a better life in 2020? Who's ready to absolutely, I mean, you need to realize that you haven't peaked just yet. You have not reached the high point of your life. You're, you haven't reached it yet. But I know this much, this year... I'm going to take control in the name of Jesus in a great way and be at a better place than I was last year. Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before our neighbor. Let us run with endurance the race that God set before Austin. Let Joseph run the race that God set before Isaiah. No, it says, let us run with endurance. Let us run with patience the race God has set before us. So many of us are tripping in life because we're focused on the guy's race beside us. Now, I've never been like a marathon runner, as you can easily tell. Okay, this gut's giving it away right now. But listen, I've never done that. But if I did... I wouldn't be looking at that guy the whole time. I'd be looking at where I'm going because I'll be tripping all over the place. If I'm focused on his race, you need to focus on your race. Their race is between them and God. Man, I want to focus, but he's over there and he's doing this. And I know that's wrong. And I know he's sinning over here. Focus on your race. Focus on. On your race, the race that's set before you, strip off every weight and run that race and watch what God has for you in the end, because God's got something for you. Say that with me this morning. God's got something for me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Point number two, what are we called to number one to fulfill our own calling? Not everybody else's. 
Number two, we are called to live by faith. Now, I want to grasp the magnitude of that. I didn't say we're called to be inspired by words of faith. We're called to enjoy a good faith sermon every now and then. We're called to to believe that faith is a necessary Bible topic. I'm talking about we are called to live by faith. Live by faith. Now, that may not fully register yet. we got to get this in our heart, that we aren't called to visit faith. We're not called to just be inspired. We're called to live by faith. I want to show you a verse right here. And this exact same verse is repeated all throughout the Bible. Romans 1, 17. Flip over to Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. I'm talking about living by faith. Everything we do, we make our living by faith. I make my living by Fort Irwin. That's not a good idea. I make my living by faith in God. Well, I make my living by Santa Fe. They write my ch- Man, I'm telling you what. God is a better source than Santa Fe. God's a better source than the government. God's a better source than you are or that I am. God is my source. He uses a lot of channels to get the blessing to me, but the source is Jesus. He can use however he wants to get it to me, but the source is Jesus. Romans 1.17, when you're there, give me a great big amen. It says, for in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, you can look that exact phrase up, and you're going to find that that's in the Bible from the Old Testament all the way through the New, dozens of times. The just shall live by faith. Who are the just? The just are the upright. The just are the righteous. The just are you guys. You are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are justified because of what Jesus did. Then it says right there, we live by faith. I live by this thing, man. I don't visit faith on Sundays. I don't wave at it. I don't stop in once a week and give my nod to God. I live by faith my entire life. I raise my children by faith. I'm a husband by faith. I'm a pastor by faith. I make my money by faith. Everything I do, I do it by faith. Well, why Why would you say that? Because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want to please God as a father. I want to please God as a husband. I want to please God as a pastor. I want to please God as just a human being. It all comes by faith. Everything we do is by faith. And so why is faith such? Why do we drive this in so much? I mean, I'm just going to give you a heads up right now. If you've been around here very long, you'll probably see that just about any sermon that I preach or my dad preaches or my mom, it's somewhere or another, we're going to talk about the importance of you having faith. Why is that? I'm going to tell you exactly why that is, because it's got results in our lives day after day after day. I'm not going to talk about something that doesn't work. I mean, I've been to some places and 
They just tell me how bad they feel for me the whole time. I, you know, I've, I've been out of town and visited churches and the whole time they, oh man, it's bad for everyone right now. You just hang in there and this too shall pass, brother. I didn't need to hear that, man. I needed to hear how I can kill the giant right now because the giant's staring me in the face. I needed to hear how I can overcome. So why is it that we talk about faith so much? Well, the reason I talk about faith so much is when I was three, I got leukemia and I got crippled and I almost died. And doctors didn't. I mean, thank God for him. I was in a hospital. But honest, the honest truth is that Jesus healed me. And, 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 and I appreciate those doctors. But I mean, I'm not going to go into the whole story. Why am I so big on faith? Because I went to bed one night with cancer invading my blood and killing my three-year-old body. And I woke up the next day. I hadn't walked in months. I got picked up off a table and started running through an entire children's hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. They pinned me down on a table and started drawing blood out of my veins. And the blood had no cancer in it. It wasn't a slow process. It was an instant process. I believe in faith because faith saved my life when nothing else could. Why is it that you talk about faith so much? Because in 2018, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer and faith healed him by, he was diagnosed in January. By December, they said, you don't have any cancer. What are you talking about? It's gone. That's why I believe in faith. And why, why do I believe in faith? Because in 2017, this guy right here got diagnosed with stage four throat cancer and they said this looks really bad but by a few months time he was all the way back in here 100 percent healed no cancer in this guy's body why is it why is it why is it that i believe sorry why is it that i believe so much in faith because in that same year this lady right here got diagnosed with lung cancer and she's not a smoker and so she gets diagnosed with lung cancer and why do i believe because by the end of that year, the doctor said, there's no cancer in your body. You're healed. That's why. So I appreciate that a lot of people are doing a food bank. They need to keep it up. But if I was spending all my time wondering how I'm going to collect cans of ravioli and get more cap and crunch for the food cabin, I don't know if we've been able to teach them faith like we're supposed to and get them healed. I don't know if I, I don't know our focus, our calling is on teaching people faith, teaching families how to work that marriage out when it doesn't look like it's going to work, how to fix broken people and put them back together. That's our calling. And I'm sorry, I can't do everything else, but I can do that by the blood of Jesus. Somebody give God some praise this morning. Amen. So Romans 10, 8, let me look at you. Let me let me turn you over to Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. And I'm going to read this in the New King James. But, you know, I shared a story last week that I'm going to share again, because this is the type of people that I like to hang out with. I like to hang out with. Well, I don't I'm not going to use the word crazy, but when it comes to faith, you're pretty crazy. OK, people that they don't care if everybody says this can't be done. You're like, yeah, yes, it can. We're going to do it because with God, all things are possible. So try that on. So what I'm talking about is there's this missionary. I told this story last week, so bear with me because I love it. But this famous missionary named David Livingston, he went from England in the 1800s to Africa, and he was hardcore. I mean, he was absolutely changing the place. And so a bunch of guys from America write him a letter and say, hey, let us know when you get a good road paved to where you're working at. We'll come on over there and join you. He wrote back and said, don't come. Stay. 
do not come over here. I don't want people to come work with me if they'll only come if there's a good road paved. I want people that'll come if there's no road at all and they'll pave the road themselves. And I'm like, that's my type of person. We can do something with somebody like that. Not some, when you guys get it all together down there, let us know. We'll come join you and we'll start, we'll start. We're like, if you won't join us now while we're in the trenches digging people out, we don't want you ever. We need people that'll come do the work of God, not when it's convenient, not when it's easy, not when all the money's there, but people that'll do it right now before you can see the miracle. God told the people of Israel to walk around Jericho seven times, and he said to start shouting on the seventh time, and that's when the wall fell. They were yelling at a wall that was still standing. There's a lot of people that, oh, wait, the wall's down. Let's go yell, everybody. Yay! I don't want people that'll yell when the wall's down. I want people that'll yell when the wall's still standing right there, and they'll shout it all the way down to the ground. We need people of faith that God says, jump. You say, how high? Well, you're already on your way up. You're just going to listen. You're just going to obey and do what he says, whether it's easy or not. And that's why I love my church, because I've got a couple hundred people right here that are just like that. They don't care if everybody else says, man, you're wasting your time. Don't do it. We're saying, no, God said to do it. We're going to do this. We're going to teach faith. Amen. Romans 10, 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. And that's what I'm talking about right here. The word of faith, which we preach. So what is the word of faith? Well, where is the word? Well, it tells you right here two places that the word needs to be. It needs to be in your mouth and in your heart. And the next few verses are very famous. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you'll say with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it's with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation, and it's with the heart that you believe. And so these are, I mean, this, it's not rocket science. I, I don't have some deep, heavy, earth-shaking revelation to tell you. What I'm telling you is get the word of God in your heart and get it coming out of your mouth, and you'll win in life. Really? Really. It works. Proven it time and time again. In your heart and out of your mouth and not just a one-time thing. Well, I spoke some positive words and nothing changed. Man, you've been cursing yourself for 20 years. Give it some time, brother. You better take a minute and start and start steering the ship around. But listen to me right now. You can overcome. You will overcome. Faith does work. You've got to get it in your heart and you've got to start getting it to come out of your mouth. And I've got to show you, most of you know this, Mark chapter 11. Flip there, Mark chapter 11. Because to get the victory that you need, you've got to get faith in your heart and in your mouth. That's why we are speaking words of faith over your life and over our city. Some people may think, so your game plan to help bring change to your city is to speak words of faith? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's step one of the game plan is to start right there, speaking words of faith and not just doing it one time and saying, well, that didn't work. I'm talking about every service this year and probably beyond. 
speaking words of faith. There will not be a service that closes without us speaking positive words of faith over the place that you're raising your kids, where your grandkids are going to school and getting raised, where you are living your life and working your job. We're going to bless it every single day. If you come three times a week, bless it with us three times a week. If you're here twice, do it twice. If you're here once, come more, but do it that time that you're here. Come on, somebody. Listen, this is your chance to speak words of faith. And if you can't do it on your own, come in, man. We'll force you to do it, man. We'll, we'll, we'll pin you down. You'll tap out and you'll say, I'll do it. I'll speak some words of faith. I got to do it. You'll do it. But we're doing this. That is step one of the game plan is to start changing the way we speak. Because there's not a day that goes by that I don't hear some bonehead say something stupid about the town that I'm raising my kids in. Only in Barstow. You say that over there. Shut up. Because I, I, I went over to Indiana, and the same people in Martinsville, Indiana, were saying the same thing. Only in Martinsville would you see somebody so stupid. No, that's stupid. That's a lie. Don't speak those words. That's, that, that's ridiculous. Don't say that. Speak words of faith. Mark 11, 22 through 24. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have Faith in God. Well, why do you guys talk about faith so much? Because we have faith in God. We talk about it every day. We're obsessed with it because it saved our lives. It says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Do you see that right there? He said, he didn't say, he shall have whatsoever he wishes for. He shall have whatsoever he hopes for. He shall have whatsoever he thinks about. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Whatever, what you say, if you believe it in your heart and speak it out of your mouth, you will have what you say. That can either be super awesome or super bad, depending on the words that you're speaking. Some of us are in a bad spot and we're wondering how we got there. I've been in a bad spot. Man, how did I get here? God, why didn't you stop this from happening? Brother, you're just reaping the harvest of your words. Pastor David just having whatsoever he saith. I was, I was, I was reaping the harvest of the words I spoke. So what I have to do? Man, I had to start changing my words, start changing my heart fast. Some of you need to do the same thing. Not only about your life, but about your city. You know, we put it on online this week. First of all, we put this super awesome video that was just, it looked so professional. It was like Steven Spielberg directed this thing. Actually, no, we made it on an iPhone and Windows Movie Maker, but it looked great. It looked great. And so I put that on uh, on Facebook. It says we hit over 2,400 people this week. With just our video, just on Facebook. That didn't count the Instagram. And, and I don't know if that counted you guys sharing it or not, but it had a bunch of share. 2,400 people that maybe don't like where we live heard church people from High Desert Word Center saying, We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. 
Amen. Our churches are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our ever, we're blessed, man. They heard you speaking words of faith this week. Man, I put it on the other night. Just say something good about Barstow. I dare you. People are coming in. I'm like, man, you know what? I was just sitting there. I was eating dinner at Jenny's at the moment, you know, getting my grub on. And so I was like, well, I'm thankful for Jenny's. And, and then I, and, and, but then people started chiming in. Man, Barstow has the best sunsets. I'm like, you know what? That's the truth right there, man. We have some awesome sunsets. Some people are like, man, you can see so many stars. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. You can see more. That's the best. And some people, people just started saying all these different things. And I'm like, my gosh, I love where I live. I wouldn't trade this for any place, man. I love it. Why? Man, we're being positive. Sure, you, you, you could put it out there and, and say something you don't like about Bar. Sure, you could say something, but I don't have time for that. I'm too busy building myself up with positive words. And, man, people just started pouring it in. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. We're building ourselves up. We're speaking and we're declaring and we're pointing out the good things. Verse 24, we're talking about having what you say. It says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you might have them. No, you shall have them. Mm, that's good stuff right there, man, because it doesn't say well, you, you might have them or, or, and some people read that and say, I know it says that. I know it says that, but let's be, let, let, let's, let's be realistic here. I am being realistic. What's more realistic than the word of God? It says, if I believe in my heart and say with my mouth and I believe that I receive, I shall have. That's realistic because it works every time in my life. You mean you are 100% where you want to be at? Not totally yet, but I'm on my way. And every time that I handle things God's way, I always win. And some people, that's a, are you sure you want to say that in public? I'm, I'm positive that I want to say that in public, that every time I do things God's way, I succeed. I never fail when I do things God's way. Not once. Not once. Not once. You've never had a loss. I've taken some losses, man. I've taken some. But every time, it's when I was doing it my way. I mean, you, you do you. You speak for your life. But I'll say in my life, the only times that I've taken that L, it's because I tried to do it my way. I didn't trust in the Lord with all my heart. I trusted in me and in my brain with my heart. I leaned to my own understanding, and then I screwed things up. But every time... That I've done Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I've trusted in the Lord with all my heart and leaned not into my own understanding in all my ways. Acknowledged him. He has directed my paths. And I've won 100% of the time when I've done it God's way. Somebody ought to give God some praise on that this morning. Because I know that's the same thing that's true for you. And so Mark 11 and Romans 10, the two chapters we just looked at, both said the same thing. Believe in your heart. And say with your mouth, and you're going to take a great big win every single time. The third thing that I'm saying is this, is what are we called to do? Number one, we're called to fulfill our own calling. Number two, we are called to live by faith. And number three, we're called to get results. I Listen, it's nice to talk about vision. It's nice to talk about plan. But you know what I love? I love results. I don't want, you know, I don't want someone that's just going to talk about it. I want someone that's going to do it. 
It's nice to have friends that will promise you things all day long and give you the feels for a few minutes on, you know, that you feel good and like, but then they don't ever deliver. They never come through for you. You you know, somebody like that. Listen, that's okay, but I don't really like that. I like people that get results. And what I'm talking about this morning is the word of faith, Romans 10, 8, it gets results. So your game plan is to speak positive words over Barstow all year long. Yes, that is my game plan, is to speak positive words over Barstow all year long. Well, what's it going to look like when we start seeing these things come about? Well, I'll tell you what it's going to look like. If I call your name, please don't feel embarrassed. I gave you no advance warning. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like Dave McNeil. Dave, give a wave. Dave, everybody say, wave at Dave. Wave at Dave. Okay. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like this guy. And I, 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 you know, chew me out later if I'm throwing, putting you on blast. But uh, it's going to look like this guy that had got divorced from his wife of 20-some years and then gives his life to Jesus, comes to church, remarries the same woman a year later, and now have a picture-perfect marriage. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. What's it going to look like when we speak these words and it starts changing things? I'm going to tell you, it's going to look like Sabrina. Stand up. If I, you're pregnant. Stand up. Go ahead. All right. So Sabrina right here. So Nick and Sabrina, man, they come to church and they, her and her husband, he's working. He'll be here tonight. Well, I'm not going to elaborate, but you didn't like each other, right? In fact, you hated each other. Okay, good. So they were, they were going, they were getting ready to get a divorce. They hated each other. And so Nick comes in. Lays down his pride, which I guess he had extra to go around. He laid down his pride and he starts his words, not mine. I'm, I mean, he gives his life to Jesus. Nick starts coming in three days a week. I could come in on a Thursday morning. Nick's out in the parking lot praying. Nick jumped full speed ahead into Jesus, into the word of God, into the church of God. And Sabrina took a minute because she didn't, she was being a little bit stubborn, right? Her own words, not mine. My dad comes up to her and her first service and says, God bless you. Jesus told me that this is your church. You belong here. She says, no, I don't. And no, it's not. <laughs> right? I mean, verbatim. That, and I'm like, that, that took some good. Yeah, dad said, I'm your pastor. She said, no, you're not. And I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> and so what did we do? Did we say, oh, man, we can't have that one? No, a person of faith says, Oh, yeah, we got a challenge on our hands. Let's do this. So we got Nick, and we started speaking words of faith over her. By Christmas of that year, they were at this altar holding hands, crying. They were back together, marriage fixed. They came here with two kids. Now they're going to have four in a very short amount of time. Because there's one other thing that High Desert Word Center, uh, you get married and you have a bunch of kids when you come to church here. In 2020, we've already got five pregnancies within the church of married women, five pregnancies. So this church is growing one way or another. If we have to make it happen ourselves, we will. We'll. Amen. Married, 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 married. Okay. Married, married, married. Okay. So what does it look like when these words of faith start happening? I'm telling you, we see Dave and that marriage fixed. We see Sabrina. I got Joseph right here. Joseph, I didn't plan on putting you on blast. He's tall enough. He probably doesn't have to stand up, but just stand up. Okay, so we got Joseph here. Ah, oh, come on, man. Everybody likes a tall guy. So Joseph comes in, army, broken, right? He comes into us. 
Amen. All right. The end of last year. Man, I may just before this is over, I was planning on being done early. This may take a minute because I'm seeing testimonies all over the place. But he comes in. He's going through the ringer. His wife is in the army. She's stationed in Washington. He's in the army stationed at Fort Irwin. They're having a hard time. Guess what? He sits and submits to the past, to the God, to the church, to pastoral leadership. His wife's submitting up there. Their marriage is healed. And from what you told me the other night, right? She's pregnant. Look at that. Come on. <laughs> so there we go, man. We fix your marriage. You get saved and then you do the rest. You get pregnant on your own. We don't. That's not our. That's you. That's you. Amen. What does it look like? I mean, I'm thinking I'm thinking about Jesse, Jesse and Desiree. I mean, back here, this guy comes in. They're homeless. They're on the streets beg. They come in and I mean, addicted to drugs and everything else. He was telling me some of his testimony the other night about Christmas. I was like, whoa, I really, <laughs> man, God is good. <laughs> Jesus is good. He, I mean, come on. He, he comes in. He had, you know, been all these things. Here he is, man, a stable man in this community, a stable leader in this community. Families healed. Kids are on the honor roll at school, just living the American God dream. Why? Because the word of faith message. Amen. Amen. Austin and Katie, this guy's in the Marines, so he didn't have the beard then because they can't have that. But he he's in the Marines. They just gone through a bad situation, heartbreaking. Someone tells them about church. They come into church. They submit to Jesus. And I thought that they were just going to get, you know, he was going to be headed to Camp Pendleton. They fall in love with Jesus, with the church, with Barstow so much. He decides, you know what? I'm going to get out of the Marines right here, and I'm just going to I'm going to put roots down. He stayed in Barstow. He gave up the military right here, and now it's been like I think six years or something like that, five or six years that they've been here. They left it all behind. Now he's blessed, got an awesome job at Santa Fe. They're doing awesome, awesome, awesome. Winning people to Jesus all over the place. I look all over this room. I see Jesse Montenegro. I see all these guys. We won't get into all the Jesse right now. It's a great story, but we've got so much, so much. Amen. Yeah, the Swiss cheese, man. He's got some bullet holes, but Jesus healed him of all those gunshot wounds. And I'm telling you right now, I see story after story. Why is that? I, again, I'm not belittling. I'm not, it's not because we were giving out free ramen, not making fun of that. Somebody's got to do that. Somebody has to do that in Barstow. Lots of people have to do that, but that's not our calling. We were focusing on, we've got to get these people faith. We've got to teach them how to read the Bible for themselves, how to know Jesus themselves, and how to live a victorious life on their own. So what's what, what, what's this all boiled down? I'm bringing it in. I'm bringing it in. I'll go ahead. The worship team can come on up and do their thing. But I'm bringing it all in to this right here. I've got a guaranteed way to success in your life. Guaranteed way to success. And that is you submit your life to Jesus. You get the word of God in your heart. Start speaking it out of your mouth. There may be mountains in the way right now. Those mountains will be thrown into the sea. You're going to rise to the top every single time that you do it God's way. You are the upright. 
You are the righteous. You are blessed. Start talking like it. Start acting like it. Start living like it. We're going to change this city and we're going to change your life by the time we're done with you too. And you are going to be nothing but one giant winner taking win after win after win in everything you do. Somebody shout to God this morning. Let's stand up together today. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.